All right. Good evening. Okay. In just a minute, we have a we have a guest speaker that'll be joining us. We've um, and uh, really excited about what's going to be presented tonight. Before we do that, I do have a couple of announcements I want to make. We do have a lot of teens in uh, in here today. Remember, if you guys didn't hear this morning, our back to school bash is not happening as of now. Hopefully, we'll be able to do it something else another time. There's still going to be construction going on. There's still going to be things going on uh, in the other buildings. So we will not be doing the back-to-school bash. So I know we've talked about it last week, but don't plan on it. Uh, otherwise, you'll show up, and it'll just be you, the church, and a bunch of fumes. So um, it's probably not a great option. Uh, the other thing I announced this morning, and I'll say it again to everyone here, uh, especially teenagers, um, we're starting a home group here at the church Thursday nights at 6 o'clock. What we'd like to do is invite families that have young children. Uh, if you are interested in being in the nursery, um, we'd love to have you help. Uh, if you could do that, if you could talk to me. Um, teenagers, if you do this, you can count it as a Christian service during your Word of Life as one of your credits. So uh, you can do that. So um, that is an announcement I did want to pass along as well. Um, and I think that's all the announcements I'll bore you with tonight. So... Um, in, uh, I would like to open our service in prayer, and then uh, we'll introduce our speaker. So let's pray. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for those who are here. Thank you for this morning, for uh, ABF, and for uh, the worship service, and just the blessing that you've given us. And I just pray that as we uh, continue to learn tonight, that you just give us a, uh, just a great time of, of learning, growing, and just a time to fellowship together in a unique way that we don't normally get the chance to do. And we thank you for all these opportunities. Pray you'd bring glory to yourself through everything that happens. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so our speaker today is uh, Israel Cohen, but I don't see him. Uh, Israel? He's not here. Uh, has anybody seen Israel? No, he's not here. He sent me instead. Uh, who would that be? Uh, Aaron, the high priest. He sent me to, to teach you about where I work and what I do and how it all points to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, he said he's going to, he said, got tied up. He's, he's busy. So he sent me instead. Uh, all right. Can well, I, I come out? Yeah, yeah, I guess come on out. Hi, everybody. Hi. <laughs> uh, I'm Aaron, the high priest. Um, I've got to introduce myself properly here. That's the chauffeur. That's not the guy that drove me to the meeting. That's a different guy. That's Israel drove me to the meeting. This is the shofar, the ram's horn. Ever since the time that Abraham sacrificed Isaac, the shofar, the ram's horn, was used for the calling of the Jewish people to worship, calling them back to the land, calling them... Israel told me he had trouble with this this morning. I can't believe it. I told, I told Israel that I'm, I'm, I'm right-eared, so... They moved it to the right ear from you. Know, he's right-handed and right ear Do you understand? Okay, good. Anyway, uh, <laughs> ever since the time that Abraham sacrificed Isaac, the ram's horn was used for the calling of the Jewish people to worship, calling them back to the land, calling them to battle. So this is very significant. That's the ram's horn. And this time of the year, Israel told me that as the Jewish people are celebrating Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, we're going to talk about that this evening. We're going to take you back to where I work and where I, we'll take you way back to the wilderness. We came out of Egypt and all. 
and we're going to talk about that ram's horn and about the, the blowing of the shofar and, 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 and uh, all that's involved with that. And this is very significant too. This is the incense sensor. We're going to leave this right here on top of this fancy schmancy pulpit here. Fancy schmancy is Hebrew for it's nice. See, I understand. <laughs> Just so you understand that. Okay, we're going to have to play around with this. All right. Okay, I remember back in the tabernacle, the Levites would make sure it was on real good. They got this stuff, I think we called it duct tape, and you just put it on there and it worked fine. But that, <laughs> back in the old days, you know, back in the world. Now, now, now here's what we're going to do. We're going to, uh, we're going to give you a little history lesson. This is, uh, if it doesn't work right, it's Israel, blame Israel Cohen because he didn't teach me how to use all these high-tech toys properly. Okay, good. Uh, the truth of the matter is that uh, we go way back. We need to go way back, get some history, a little background and why, who I am, why am I, I dressed this way, and all that's involved there. Now, what we have is, whoop, wrong way, is that it? Right, there it is. Okay, we're going to start back with Abraham. That's my ancestor, okay? And he's, we're going to talk about the Jewish people, okay? The Jewish people. Now, uh, who are the Jewish people? Well, this is Genesis 12. My brother Moses wrote all this down, by the way. Okay, so uh, he got it directly from God, and it's in the Bible. I think you have this in your Bible, okay? And this is what it says in Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Now, the Lord said to Abram, my ancestor, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee, and I will make thee a great nation. God said he's going to make a great nation out of Abram. His name wasn't changed yet. His name, Abraham is what his name was changed to when he came to faith, uh, understanding God's revelation, the amount of revelation that he had. And he said, and I will make thee a great name. I will bless thee. I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. <coughs> and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God promised my ancestor, Abraham, Abram, to... Uh, it was going to make a great nation from him, and um, he's going to bless him. And he says, and I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. Blessing and cursing in direct relationship, that relationship to our blessing and cursing of the Jewish people. The Jewish people are those that came through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the 12 tribes, that's the 12 tribes of Israel, okay? That's the nation of Israel. Judy Cohen, who is right back there in the back, okay, I don't want to point this. Raise your hand again, just seeing us there. Everybody, stand up a second. That's Judy. Okay, she's going to be at the literature table after. She was here this morning. She, she's married to Israel uh, 48 years in November. And uh, she uh, is one of, uh, Jewish also comes from that, Israel and Judy come from that line, that line of, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So God wants you to bless the Jewish people and, in, and having Israel come and share and bringing me in, that's a blessing for the Jewish people. Now, before we talk about the tabernacle, I have to talk to my... My seamstress here. She didn't make my hat the right size, I think. I don't know. Uh, when we talk about, we're going to talk about the tabernacle. We're going to learn about Messiah in the tabernacle. Tabernacle is real important, okay? It's even important for us today. When we see, we're going to have to learn a few things. First of all, when God was speaking to my ancestor Abraham, he was really preaching the gospel. It doesn't sound like the gospel, did it? Well, look what it says. The scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles, the Gentiles, that's the Goyim, the nations, okay? The nations 
by faith, he preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, all the nations will be blessed in you. What he was saying, he's quoting from Genesis 12, okay, and he said, all the nations will be blessed. How are all the nations blessed in Abraham, in the ultimate seed of Abraham? That's the Messiah, that's the Lord Jesus. Okay, so, we understand God spoke to Abraham, he gave him actually the gospel when he's when he speaking to him, and uh, all the nations of the earth are blessed in him. And so, we go to this verse, Wait a minute, that's backwards. Oh, I gotta go the other way. Wait a minute, am I going? Oh, yeah, I'm going. Here we go. Now, now I'm pushing the button, right? Israel wants me to make sure I push the button. It's correct. Now, before we understand the tabernacle, we gotta understand. We gotta understand what we need a tabernacle for. Very important. This is a very important verse. This is Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Okay, I didn't know him personally. He was after my time, but he was a prophet. A lot of prophet in reading Isaiah. Isaiah 59, 1 and 2 says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot he save. God doesn't have a withered hand. Okay? Neither is his ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from me that he will not hear. The problem for all of us, whether we're back in the wilderness, whether we're coming out of Egypt, whether we're uh, living in the 21st century, wherever we are, the problem is sin and iniquity. And the result is separation between God and man. Sin and iniquity and separation. And now, let me take you back a little bit. Remember, remember the Garden of Eden? Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden? Well, they uh, were told not to eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Remember? And, uh, of course, they did. And then uh, one day, God was looking for them, and they said, Wherefore, in good King James English, Wherefore art thou, uh, Adam? He said, uh, uh, I was scared. I was hiding because, because I was afraid, because I was naked. And I was, who told you you were naked, Adam? Uh, you didn't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did uh, uh, well, uh, the, the woman made me do it. Uh, it was her fault. Uh, the blame game. She says, no, uh, well, you made me do it because you gave me the woman. It was her fault. No, the devil, I, uh, did you eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Yes, you did. And they were separated from God. You remember, they were out, out of the garden, and, and there was a guard put on there. And what did God do? He provided something very significant, and that's in the next verse. When Israel Cohen was, dro- was growing up, well, he didn't exactly grow up yet, but when he was growing up, <laughs> he's only 71 and a half, you know, you give him time. And when he was growing up in Philadelphia, uh, he went to Hebrew school, okay, did his bar mitzvah. Israel Cohen told me about the bar mitzvah, you know. Uh, I didn't know if we didn't have the bar mitzvah back in the wilderness. You know about the bar mitzvah? Anybody know about the bar mitzvah? It's not a Jewish ranch in Texas. The Bar Mitzvah. No, that's not what it is. It's at 13 years old. You say the right prayers over the scriptures, and you become part of your part of the people of Israel. Became part of his people. And one thing they never did. They never. The rabbi never discussed this verse. Leviticus 17:11. That's a very important verse. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. I've given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. The blood of atonement. That's what happened in the garden. Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, I want to let you know something. You know, every time that you see a picture of Adam and Eve, you know what you got to do? You got to put a picture of George W. and Laura in front of Adam and Eve. You know why? They're always hiding behind the bushes. Oh, that's no, never. Oh, that's bad. That's terrible. I'm sorry. Israel Colbert told me to say that. But anyway, that, what do they do? 
God had animal sacrifice, found in the book of Genesis, okay? God had, had, had animal sacrifice. They had the blood of atonement. They covered them with animal skins. They were covering. See, that's, just, see back in my time, the, the atonement was just a covering for our sin. We covered our sin. We have something different today. We have cleansing from our sins and, and uh, taking away of our sins. Very significant. So, this is a very important verse. The problem was, here's the problem, was over here, sin and iniquity. And the answer is the blood of atonement. It needs to be that blood of atonement to, to, to bring that reconciliation. Okay, now over in Hebrews chapter 9, verse, uh, the writer in the book of Hebrews says this, verse 22, and the, almost all things are by the law purged without blood, with blood, and without blood, shedding of blood, no remission, no remission of sin, no forgiveness. So we need the blood of atonement. The problem, same problem today in the year 2013, same problem back in the wilderness, same problem in the Garden of Eden, Sin and iniquity, separation from God, and the answer is the blood of atonement. And so we have, God knew, we came out of Egypt, and God knew that we were going to uh, sin. And he provided a a whole system uh, of sacrifice and a way to renew our relationship with God, bring that relationship together. Let Let me just give you a little history lesson. This is history time. By the way, the water from the rock tasted better than this, that's for sure. Anyway... If you know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so the thing is that uh, our people, that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Abraham, Abraham had um, this miracle child, had Isaac. That means laughter. Okay, they were laughing. They said, ah, old man like me, miracle baby. Okay, anybody ever tells you, he said, you don't believe in that virgin birth stuff, do you? He said, yeah, I, well, uh, that can't happen. I, well, yeah, it was a miracle. Then they ask a Jewish word. You say, well, do you believe in uh, uh, Abraham and, uh, and Sarah and Isaac? Uh, Isaac? He says, what was that? Well, that was a miracle. Yeah, see? It was a miracle. So it's not so hard to believe in the virgin birth. It's a miracle. God, God did that. So they were laughing, and they had Isaac. And Isaac means laughter. And then Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then uh, Jacob uh, and then the 12, had the 12 tribes. And uh, Joseph was the youngest, remember? And Joseph was like the favorite. And uh, he got a fancy schmancy coat. Remember that? And coat of many colors. And his brothers, they, they did some real shenanigans. And, and they wound up, he wound up in Egypt, okay? And they told his father he, he was probably taken by a wild animal. And he wound up in Egypt as number two in the kingdom. And he was in charge of all kinds of things. And, that. and then when the famine came, our people, the Jewish people, we went, into, we went to Egypt to go get, get corn and get, gross, get the groceries. Yeah, we went to get some groceries. We went to get, get uh, grain. And when we went, we found Joseph was there. And Joseph brought us all in, and we all went into Egypt. And we're all, but we, were, we wound up, it says this in Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1 says, A pharaoh came on the throne that knew not Joseph. It's not that he didn't know who Joseph was. He didn't want to know about Joseph. Because he thought that when the Jewish people get strong and mighty, uh, they're going to, uh, they were reproducing in record numbers. As God promised, he'd make a great nation. Sand of the seas is going to be that, that big. And he knew that they would probably side with their enemies. They'd come against us. So he put them in, in bondage slavery and making the bricks, making the bricks. Remember, remember the movie? Uh, I think we called it the Ten Commandments. Me and, uh, uh, and Aaron, uh, I mean, me and Moses, we got together with this guy, Cecil B. DeCone, you know, we made this movie called, uh, <laughs> called The Ten Commandments, making the bricks, making the bricks. And so my brother Moses, he left. 
he left us, and he took off, and he didn't think we knew that he killed that Egyptian. Remember that? And, so he, and then he, he comes back after a while. He comes back, and he says, hey, Aaron, how you doing? Hey, Moish, you could have helped us with the bricks, you know. We're making the bricks, you know. Hey, we're, we're here working with Pharaoh, you know, kind of. So, so uh, he says, I was talking to God. Talking to God in a bush? You mean like George W.? It was a bush. What do you mean talking to God in the bush? What are you talking about? No, not exactly. He says, it was a bush. And he told me this cockamamie story like you wouldn't believe. He said the bush was on fire, but it wasn't on fire. But it was burning, but it wasn't burning. And God spoke to him through the bush. I said, Moses, Moses, you've been in the wilderness a little too long. You've got to cover your head. You know, you get that sunstroke, you know. Wait a minute, I know. You've been eating the mushrooms. Now, you can't be eating the mushrooms in the wilderness. Forget it. You get all kind of visions and stuff. No, Aaron, really, I've been talking to God. Yeah, you're talking to God. So what did God say? He said, we, we got to go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. Which is we, Kimosabi. We, we ain't going to Pharaoh. He's a mean dude. I mean, that guy's bald, bald and stuff. You know, he looks a little like Hugh Brenner, you know, that bald-headed guy. Man. He is mean. He said, We're not, we ain't going. You know, he said, oh, Aaron, please, I promised God that you go with me. I promised God that I, that you, I said, what do you mean you promised God? Yeah, you see, I tried to get out of it. I told him I don't speak to go. You speak fine. By the way, when we got to, to Pharaoh and we spoke to her, you know who was, did most of the talking? Uh, Moses, of course. He, he was fine. He, just, he was just scared to go by himself. Uh, you know? So he, he, we all went, we went together. Finally, he, he just, he says, Aaron, he says, Aaron, you got to go. Aaron, please, please, Aaron, Aaron, I promise God you got to come. Oh, I didn't want to see a grown man cry. Okay, we'll go, we'll go. I wouldn't be shaking in my boots except... Uh, uh, holy ground, you know, <laughs> no boots, <laughs> barefoot. That, that's just the way it was. But so we go to we go to Pharaoh, and we say, Pharaoh, okay, let the, let our people go. So get out of here. No. So we had the blood and the frogs and the vermin and the flies and the cattle pestilence, the boils and the hail and the locusts and the darkness. And then we had the death of the firstborn. And every firstborn in Egypt would have died, except God spoke to my brother Moses, and Moses spoke to the people. So this is what you do. You want to be saved? You take the blood of a perfect lamb without spot, without blemish. And you place that blood on two side posts, see, and the top of the door. See, forming a sign. Two side posts, top of the door, forming a sign. And then God told Moses to tell us when he's going to come through the camp. It's not going to be some blue smoke, by the way. It's going to be God's going to come through the camp. And when God comes through the camp, He's going to look for the blood. And he's going to say this. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. That's salvation, folks. That's what it's all about. When I see the blood. Now, today we have the blood of the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. That's what Israel told me. And when God sees the blood on the doorpost of your heart, he'll pass over you. So we had Passover. So finally we go to Pharaoh. We tell him, the firstborn, I'm going to die. He said, get out of here. Okay, go. And we get went out. And so we're going and we're going. And we're taking all our animals and our, our kids. And everybody's going with us. And, and we're leaving. And we got up to the Red Sea. You should have been there. It was incredible. And, and Pharaoh's chasing after us. He changed his mind. He's like one of those politicians. Oh, yeah. He voted for it before he voted against it. You know, uh, oh, yeah. He, he changed his mind. And, and he's, coming, he's coming after us. So God did a real fancy schmancy thing. He, he, uh, he uh, put some fire between us and a little pillar of fire between us and Pharaoh. Slow him down a little bit. And so Moses, we're all complaining. We're complaining. We're fetching. Fetching is, is Jewish, Yiddish for complaining. You know, he was complaining. Yiddish is the Eastern European Jewish language that Israel's Jewish people, uh, Israel's grandparents would have been speaking when they came out of Eastern Europe. And uh, 
They were complaining, and oh, we should have been back in Egypt with the leeks and the onions. I don't know what was so special about the leeks and the onions. I mean, keep your breath like you wouldn't believe. Ugh, incredible. We could have used some like tic tacs in the wilderness or something, you know, a little little uh, uh, lifesaver or something. We were we were in bad shape, you know. So. Uh, Man, one of these days Israel's going to get the right size hat for me. You know, I just can't believe it. But anyway, so we um, we were complaining. He says, "Wait a minute, relax and watch this. See the hand." And he puts up his hands, and you should have been there at the Red Sea. It divided right in the middle. A wall of water on this side, a wall of water on that side, and we went through on dry ground. He said, "Moses is the coach, and he's right there." He says, "Come on, let's go, everybody! Elbows and knees, elbows and knees! Let's go, let's go, let's go!" And and Mo everybody's going across, and then finally Moses is the last one to go over. He puts his his foot down on the dry ground, swoosh, and you should have seen it. Pharaoh and his armies and and all of his uh, his chariots were all drowned in the Red Sea, and we were safe in the wilderness on dry ground. And uh, God knew that we were going to sin. And so God set up a whole system with me, uh, the, uh, the priestly line, Levitical priestly line. And the firstborn of a firstborn would be the high priest. And I was that priestly line. The Kohen, Israel's name is Cohen. Cohen means high priest, okay? So we would go through, and, and uh, God knew that we were going to, uh, going to be sinning in the wilderness. So he set up the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle has a lot of meaning for us today, even in the year of 2013. So, it's found 11 times in the Bible, Exodus 25 through 27. It's found in Exodus uh, 30 through 31. It's found in Exodus 35 through 40. And now, over in uh, Exodus 25, 1 through 9, we find the offerings for the tabernacle. This is what happened. God gave my brother Moses instructions, and he said this, And the Lord spoke unto Moses and said, Speak unto the children of Israel that they bring me an offering of every man that giveth it willingly. It's a free will offering with his heart, that you shall make my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take of them. When the dots are here, that means something's missing, all the things we, for the offering. The acacia wood, the gold, the silver, this porpoise skins dyed red, all that kind of stuff. And where do we get it? We got it from the Egyptians. We got it out of the spoils of Egypt. They were, um, they, as we were going, they're giving our stuff. They're just giving our stuff. Get out of here, get out of here. You know, keep going. They were got all that stuff. So we took a... a, a, a a uh, free will offering, and, and, and he said, let them make me a sanctuary. God wanted to make a sanctuary, a tabernacle, that he, I may dwell among them. God's desire has always been, back in the Garden of Eden, okay, back in the time of uh, us in the wilderness, in, first in Egypt, then in the wilderness, uh, in the year 2013, got into eternity. God wants to dwell with his people. Let me remind you of something. Back in, in uh, the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, remember this. One lamb, one person. One lamb, one person. Passover, okay, we had one lamb, one family. We went through the, when I see the blood, I'll pass over you. One lamb, one person. One lamb, one family. Hold on to those two thoughts because I got another thought coming up. God's desire is to dwell with them. According to all that I showed you after the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of the instruments thereof, even so shall you make it. God's desire was to dwell with his people. So he made a tabernacle, a place where we're going to have sacrifice, a place where we're going to be, uh, have reconciliation between God and man. And so, in the book of Hebrews, it talks about the true tabernacle, that's the one in heaven, and then it talks about the example or the shadow. And then he says, 
who serve unto the example of the shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was admonished of God when he was about to make the tabernacle, see, saith he, that thou make all things according to the pattern shown thee on the mountain. He quotes from Exodus chapter 12. Okay, so God's desire, and by the way, if something's one time in the Bible, it's real important. Two times in the Bible, very important. Three times in the Bible, wow, it's getting real important. The tabernacle is 11 times, only in the, in the Jewish scriptures alone, in the Old Testament, 11 times, not counting what is in, in the New Testament. It's very important. The tabernacle is very important as we understand uh, how to live before our God and how to have a relationship with God. Now, over in Exodus 28, 29, God told, told uh, Moses, to, to, I'm going to be the, high, the priestly line. I'm going to be the mediator between God and man. He told him to make very special uh, articles of clothing. I'm going to have a breastplate. That's what this is. This is the breastplate, breastplate of judgment. When he goes in, these, this is the 12 tribes of Israel. So as I would go in to, to minister in the tabernacle, I have the nation of Israel before, before my heart. These, each one of these stones represents one of the tribes of Israel. And then there's the tabernacle, Okay. Now, that's what the tabernacle would look like. You had him to construct the tabernacle. This is the, the tent where Moses and I hang out. We hang out in the fancy schmancy tent. This is the actual tabernacle itself. This would be the fence made out of cloth. There's the gate. This would be the, the brazen altar, the laver, and then this would be actual, the little tabernacle where the fillers smoke by day, fire by night. And so there, we, that's another picture of the tabernacle. As we would come in, here would be the gate. Here would be the animals would be there. This would be the, the brazen altar, the laver, and the actual tabernacle with the smoke. And then we have the fire by night. This is where the, am I, the Jewish people will be camped out, okay, all the way around by, by their tribes. There will be the entrance and the, the uh, brazen altar and the, the laver and the tabernacle. And so there's another picture where it's all cleaned up. Kind of did it have those ramps? I don't know. Now, this is what it would look like from the top. If you fly over the top, no, we didn't have a helicopter and we didn't fly, we didn't steal a helicopter from Pharaoh, but if you fly over the top of the tabernacle, can't be touching this. I'll cut that out. Okay. When you fly over the top, this is what it looks like from the top. Let me move out of the way. So you see, now the fence would be around here, okay? This would be the fence. And we're going to walk through the tabernacle. We're going to see how each piece of furniture points to the Messiah, points to the Lord Jesus Christ. What we do is we start down here. This would be the gate would be down here. Then once you come inside the gate would be the brazen altar. They're numbered backwards in the opposite direction. Uh, we come here, and this would be the brazen altar, okay? This is the laver. Then this would be the, this would be the uh, the holy place, golden lampstand, table of showbread, altar of incense. You're going to find out in the New Testament it's inside the veil, and this would be the ark of the covenant and the mercy seat in the holy of holies. And so we have this. This is very significant. See that? That's the cross. Now I didn't know anything about the cross. By the time of the first century, this was the way that people were killed. Criminals were 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 executed. Uh, capital punishment. Okay. By the time of the first century, uh, it was uh, like the electric chair or like the uh, lethal injection. But notice something very significant. All the furnishings point, they're shaped in the shape of the cross. So we're going to walk right up the cross. We're going to follow the cross and follow how each piece of furniture finds out the final day of atonement, the Yom Kippur, in the uh, Holy of Holies, as we're going to see that. Now, over in the book of John, this is John 12 and verse 32. It's, it's, you can't see it. It's written down here. This is the brazen altar. It speaks to us of the, of the, the cross. That's the laver, the, uh, the altar of incense. The, uh, it's the brazen altar down here. The, uh, uh, altar, the golden lampstand, the table of showbread, and the ark of the covenant, and the mercy seat. John 
12 and verse 32 says, and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Tonight, we're going to lift up the Lord Jesus. We're going to lift him up in the tabernacle, Yeshua, the Messiah. Lift him up. We're lifting up Jesus in the tabernacle. So, we go over here. The Bible says this. We have a high priest. His name is Yeshua, Jesus. I am the high priest on earth, but we have a high priest that says the way, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. John 15, 6. Whether you're Jewish, whether you're Gentile, regardless of your background, no matter where you came from, whether you came from Eastern Europe, whether you came from the Middle East, whether you came from South America, or, America, or you came from the United States of America, he is the way, the way to God, the only way to God. And so we're going to see that in the tabernacle. We're going to see that he's the way. In the tabernacle, there's the tabernacle. And we're going to start down here. Right here at the gate, okay? We'll start at the gate. Now, uh, this is very special items that I would be wearing. It's a special clothing. Some other time we'll talk about the items of the article of clothing. We're going to talk about the furnitures today. But this is the way I would be there minister. By the way, do I look Jewish? See? You know, by the way, uh, we're going to talk about this in a minute. Uh, you know what someone said to me? They said I looked more like... Uh, like Father O'Malley, you know? <laughs> no, you see, the real priest is Jewish. I know there's some folks from the Roman Catholic Church who like to tell you that they're the, that's the priest. No, the real priest looks like this. They don't look like... That's why... That, why do you think they look that way? <laughs> they look that way because, see, you know, the, the Jewish priest looks that way. That's really what it's all about. So, there's the gate. We're going to start at the gate. And uh, it's found in Exodus 26, 36 to 37. Now, Moses and I drew this up together, so this is what it looked like. Uh, this is, see, five cubits across, three cubits, five cubits this way. A cubit is 18 inches, okay? He's the gate or the door. And so, Matthew 7, verse 13 and 14 says, Any in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there are that find it. He is the gate. He also says, in John 10 and verse 9, he said, He is the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. And so he's the way of introduction to the message. You don't get saved necessarily. You come to the door of the church, you get saved. Well, he's the way of introduction at the gate. That's Jesus, the Messiah. He's the way of introduction at the gate. But once you come in the gate, you come to the brazen altar. Now, the brazen altar is very significant. Here's what it looks like, okay? What we have here, you see, it's very big. That's little old me. See how little I am as compared to the big brazen altar? This is three cubits this way, 18 inches to a cubit, uh, five cubits this way. You can do the math. And that's the, it's the way of reconciliation. Remember what I said? The problem, separation from God because of sin. The answer, the blood of atonement. Okay, coming together, bringing us together. And where's the blood of atonement made? At the brazen altar. Okay, the way of reconciliation. And so, here's the way of reconciliation. So the Bible says that God was in Messiah, in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. For he, God the Father, had made him, Jesus the Son, to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteous of God in him. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 and 21. He is the way of reconciliation, the way of introduction at the gate, introduction at the gate, with reconciliation to the brazen altar, and he's the way of separation, sanctification, and cleansing, the way of separation at the laver. Now, that's not some little, like a little uh, 
cup they take the Lord's Supper with, you know, with a little, little teeny cup, or it's a big brazen altar. I would be real big. My head would be way up here. My hands would be a huge brazen altar. This is uh, the brazen altar, and uh, it's the way of separation, of sanctification. See, now, I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you in a little secret. We're not talking about the folks here at Alfred Almond. Okay, you guys, you know, this doesn't happen to you, but you know there's churches out there, people get saved, they come to faith in, in Yeshua, Jesus, and they sin after they're saved. No, you can't, I know you find that to be hard to believe, <laughs> but, but it's true. And if maybe some of you didn't fess up, uh, you know who you are. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. But the thing is, John 12 and verse 10, it says, Yeshua says to them, he that is washed, it is not safe to wash his feet, but is clean every whit. This is a Passover. And uh, Jesus comes and starts washing the disciples' feet. And uh, Peter says, no, wash me all over. He says, no, you don't have to be all washed all over. Every wit, that's a good King James word. It's mean all over, the, all of you. But uh, that's John 12 and verse 10. Also, over there in John 15 and verse 3, now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Separation, sanctification, cleansing. And so, the very important verse, if you're a believer for any more than a couple of weeks, you need to know this verse. This is a very important verse, you need to memorize it. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The way of separation. So we started with the way of introduction at the gate, the way of reconciliation at the brazen altar, the way of separation, sanctification, cleansing at the laver, and then the way of illumination, right here, the way of illumination at the golden lampstand that's inside the veil, okay? And so there's the golden lampstand, that's Exodus 25, 31. It's, it's not candlesticks. See, golden candlesticks is what was in the picture. We can't, I couldn't change that. But it's a lampstand. Notice it's oil lamps. It's not, it's not candles, okay? And we keep that lit all the time, perpetually lit at all times. Very special. We keep that lit. And so, he's the way of illumination at the golden lampstand. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. John 8 and verse 12. He's the light of the world. He's the illumination, the way of illumination. But the Bible also says that you are the light of the world. This is Matthew 5, verse 14 from the Sermon on the Mount. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on the hill. Can, wait a minute. How can you be the light of the world? If he's the light of the world, there's a problem here. There's only one way. See, if he's the light of the world, you have him indwelling within you, then you should be shining for him, then you become the light of the world. Many years ago, Israel Cohen was in New York. Was Judy Cohen there? Were you there in New York with the blackout? It was so dark. Judy was fortunate not to be there. And it was so black, you couldn't see your head in front of your face. And it was dangerous. I mean, people come up with a knife and you're, give me your money, you know, and the traffic lights weren't working, and it was just so pitch black. I mean, it was in Manhattan, pitch black. And if you look in the distance, though, way back in the distance, there was a, a building had light streaming from the windows. I said, what's that? That was a hospital. And they had an emergency generator. And, and they had an internal power source. So therefore, they were shining. So therefore, if you have Jesus in there, you should be shining, okay? And you should be glowing, shining for him. So sometimes, hey, Joe, uh, you're not too shiny. What's that? You got Jesus in there, brother, you know? And the other thing is this. Remember my brother Moses? 
He's up on Mount Sinai there and getting the Decalogue and all that. He comes down. He was so shiny. We couldn't even look at him. He was like face to face with God. You know, he was, he, had, he was so incredibly brilliant. And we had to put a veil in front of his face. Remember that? So, uh, why? Well, he's been spending time with God. If you've been spending time with the Lord, you've been in the Word, you've got to be in the Word. That's the most important thing in your life, the Bible, the Word of God, okay? And he's spending time in the Word. You should be shiny for him. So sometimes, you know, you're not so shiny. What's the matter there, Bob? You're not too shiny. What's going on? You've been spending time in the Word? You're spending time with God? Praying? Our pastor sent a text message out to us recently. He's at a conference uh, in, uh, in uh, North Dakota. Is that right, Judy? North Dakota? South, South Dakota. Well, you know, North Dakota, South Dakota, you know. But anyway, he's up there, way up north, South Dakota. And he, uh, he's doing his conference. And then his, his, the text message, his wife sent the text message. And she said, he's spending three days alone with God. Three days alone with God. He's not going to talk to anybody, not going to do text messages, not going to do email, not going to answer the cell phone. And he's planning and, and messages and planning and praying, praying with God, and praying for, to God and preparing for the church and preparing things. That's a wonderful thing. He's spending three days with God. That's wonderful. I hope he's fasting too. That would be nice. Didn't say, but maybe he is. But that's whatever it is. So if you're spending time with God, you should be shiny. Okay? Did you ever do this? A way of illumination. You're reading the Word. Now, I've been reading the Bible. I've been reading the Bible for uh, 52 years. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fess up. 52 and a half years, actually. I'm going to fess up. I missed a couple days here and there. You know, I, 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 have, I have the audio Bible on the, on the Internet. I can just, I hear it every day. I have, it, I have all kind of formats that I can read it. All kind of translations, you name it. I got it. And I'm spending time. So if you ever do this, you're reading the Bible. Like 40 years later, you go, hey, I never saw that before. I just recently had, had one of those situations in Isaiah 7, 9, where it said, uh, if, if you're not committed to faith, you don't have faith at all. Wait a minute, that just popped out of me. Isaiah 7, 9, you want to check it out? Faith, I, I use it for, uh, Israel did it. Israel gave me this, I, I don't know what this is, we never had a screensaver back in the day, you know, but he uses it for a screensaver, he, says, he puts that verse on a screensaver, you know, for better or for verse. But anyway, so it's Isaiah 7, 9, so the thing is that, you, that's the illumination on the word, God gives you illumination, and constantly as you're spending time with him, he's the way, he's the way of illumination. While you have the light, Believe in the light that you may be children of the light. John 12 and verse 36. So, what have we learned so far? We've learned that Yeshua, Jesus is, he's the way of introduction at the gate, the way of reconciliation at the brazen altar. He's the way of cleansing, separation, and sanctification at the laver. He's the way of illumination at the golden lampstand. And he's the way of satisfaction at the table of showbread. There's the table of showbread. We'd uh, bake that bread fresh every day. The nomadic tribes would come. You know, we weren't alone in the wilderness. I don't know if you know that or not. We weren't all alone. There was others coming by, and uh, we'd buy some, uh, uh, some uh, we'd have the gold and the silver from Egypt, and we'd buy grain and stuff. And every day we'd have to bake the showbread fresh every day. And it's the way of satisfaction. It's found in Exodus chapter 25, 23 through 30. The way of satisfaction. See, we were the only ones that were able to eat. We ate the meat off the altar, off the brazen altar, and we ate the bread off the table of showbread. We, had, we were the only ones with lamb sandwiches. That's right. We had, and every once in a while, when, when the nomadic tribesmen come by, we'd say, you got any great poupon? <laughs> you know, we got it for the lamb sandwiches. You got to have that. But anyway, the thing is that, that everybody else was eating manna. You know what manna means? Manna means, what is it? 
Yeah, that's what it's Hebrew for. What is it? So some night, you know, your wife or your husband they make you make you dinner, and they go, you, you don't say uh, what is it? Say matter. You know, that's what it's matter. And um, let me tell you, we we back in the wilderness, we had some creative ways of making the manna. We did. We, we really came up with creative ways. We had manna stew and manna burgers and the favorite of all in the wilderness, the favorite was manna cotti. It was incredible, I'm telling you. <laughs> it was really just wonderful. Oh, this thing is coming apart, brother. I don't know. Uh, Moses never showed me how to do this. Okay, good. I got it. Uh, so anyway, we had the table of, uh, of showbread, way of satisfaction. What's the Bible say? Yeshua said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger. He that believeth in me shall never thirst. Are you hungry? Well, Judy said she's hungry. And Israel's going to be hungry. They're going to get dinner afterwards. Going to, she said they're going to Applebee's. We didn't have Applebee's. Applebee's and wilderness were coming handy. We didn't have that. But if you're hungry, we're talking about not that kind of hungry. We're talking about spiritual hungry. Are you hungry for spiritual things? You need to be, maybe spiritually, uh, uh, you need to be feasting on the Word, on the Word of God. And so he, he uh, is the way of satisfaction. Remember, there's a section of scripture, like, like chewing the cud, you know, he gives you illumination, but you know, the, the, the cow chews the cud, chews the cud. There's a little rural area, you know about farming and stuff out here. And, uh, and then they bring, it comes down and bring it back up, get more nourishment out of it, bring it back down, get the more nourishment, bring it down. And, and that's exactly what it's like when you're reading the word, reading the word. And, and, and you're getting spiritual nourishment. Man shall not live by bread alone, but also by every word that proceeds out of the mouth, proceeds out of the mouth of God. So he is the way. He's the way of, whoops, he's the way. Oh, he's the way. I'm going the wrong direction, am I? Uh, yeah, I've got to go this way. Wait a minute, hold on. The altar of incense? No, I went too far. Israel, stop playing games with this. Way of satisfaction. There you go. Table of showbread. Okay. Now, he's the way of introduction at the gate, the way of reconciliation at the brazen altar, the way of satisfaction, separation, and sanctification at the laver, the way of illumination at the golden lampstand, the way of satisfaction at the, at the uh, table of showbread, and the way of intercession at the altar of incense. That's the altar of incense. See, the way of inter intercession, okay, speaks to us through our prayers. We put sweet-smelling aroma up here, Exodus 30, verse 10 through 22, the sweet-smelling aroma. I would carry this around all the time, okay? This is the, the uh, incense sensor, if you will, okay? And we put the smoke in there. We put the, the sweet-smelling aroma, the frankincense, the myrrh. Now, uh, I used to do that, but the smoke alarm in the church went off, so we decided to skip that. But anyway, you know, we, we, this is the incense sensor. Now, back in the day, we had a name for this. This is called the Holy Smoker. That's what it is. The Holy Smoker. You ever see when someone says, Holy Smoke? We had this. We had the Holy Smoke by day, by night. Uh, we had the Holy Smoke. Uh, by day, we had the Holy Smoke. We had the Holy Fire by night. So we, this is really Holy Smoke. See, we brought that around and, and sprinkled that. Oh, yeah. We had sweet-smelling aroma. And we put the sweet-smelling aroma on the altar of incense. Now, you see these rings here? The ring here and a ring there. See, that's so we can put the poles there to carry it. Because the Levites, the, Levites, the, the, the priestly line would be the ones that carry it. I don't know why we use poles. We could use a couple of Russians, but we, uh, never mind, okay, anyway. We use poles, okay. So anyway, that we carry, that, that's the altar of incense. Speaks to us of our, our prayer, our intercession. Look what it says in the Bible. This is Hebrews 9. Now, by the way, Hebrews 9.24 says it's inside the veil. This is King James, so you've got to pay attention here. For there was a tabernacle made with, the first within was the candlesticks, that's the golden lampstand, and the table of showbread, and, uh, which is called the sanctuary. 
And after that, the second veil, which is called the holiest of all, that's the holy of holies, which had the golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant. It's inside the veil in the New Testament. Why? Because of this. Here's the inside of the veil. Now, that's a, hard, a tough picture to see. It's not bright enough. But this is the temple, and this was that big, thick veil that ripped in two when Yeshua, when Jesus died on the cross, signifying his access in. He could go completely access in at any time. So in, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, it says that it's inside the veil. Okay, Hebrews 13 and verse 15 says... By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks in his name. He's the way of intercession. He's the way of intercession. The Bible says in Psalm 141.1, Let my prayer be set before thee as incense. There's a very interesting passage of Scripture in the book of Revelation, at the end of the Bible, where it says, And another angel came and stood by at the altar having a golden censer. He had a golden holy smoker. That's what he had, okay? A golden holy smoker. And uh, there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of the saints. In some way, God is saving up your prayers. Whether you use scope or whether you brushed your teeth or whether you had Tic Tacs, it still smells sweet to God. Uh, Prayers of the saints upon the golden altar which is before the throne. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. Revelation 8, 3 and 4. He's the way. Jesus is the way. The way of introduction at the gate. The way of reconciliation at the brazen altar. He's the way of sanctification, separation, sanctification, separation, and cleansing at the laver. He's the way of of illumination at the uh, golden lampstand inside the holy place and the way of satisfaction at the table of showbread and the way of intercession at the altar of incense inside the veil in the New Testament. And then, as you learned this morning about the uh, Holy of Holies on Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, he'd go, the high priest, I would go in only once a year, not without, without blood, in the Holy of Holies at the Ark of the Covenant and the Mercy Seat. There's the, uh, we have the uh, cherubim, and it's one and a half cubits this way, 18 inches to a cubit, so you've got an idea how that be. It's the way of, commu- of communi- communi- communion with God, intimate, personal communion with God. Okay, I would go in only once a year. As Israel mentioned this morning on Yom Kippur, which took, started Friday night th- this year, last fr- uh, Friday, uh, go in with, and we have two goats, cast a lot for the goats. One goat would be the goat for the, the uh, scapegoat, scapegoat the, the leg was broken, take it over the cliff, and that's the one that takes away our sins. Remember that a thread would be put on the horn of the goat. A red thread would always turn white, signifying that the sacrifice was accepted by God. Turn white. About the year 30, it stopped turning white. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross. He finished the work of salvation. No longer do we need the... the, um, the uh, blood of bulls of goats and of heifers. So, over the book of Leviticus, now, you heard the story about the rope on the foot? Anybody hear about the rope on the foot? Rope on, I never had a rope on the foot. There's no rope on the foot. Not in the Bible, not in any, any, any uh, Jewish writings, and I'm here to tell you, I am, of course, Aaron the high priest, no rope on the foot. But what happened, look what happened. The Lord said to Moses, speak to Aaron, thy brother, they come not at all times in the holy place, that's the holy of holies, within the veil, before the mercy seat, which is upon the the ark, that he die not. I would die if I went in any other day. Only time I can go in is on Yom Kippur, the day of the covering, the day of atonement. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat, and he shall put on a holy linen coat. I change my clothes, and he shall have linen breeches, underpants, 
upon his, his flesh, and he shall be girded with a linen girdle, not a woman's girdle, a very special girdle, and with the li, uh, linen miter, and he shall be attired. These are the holy garments, and there shall be, he shall wash his flesh in water and put them on. I take a bath once a year at least. I mean, we all smelled the same. You know, you understand? We didn't, uh, you know, we didn't have, uh, you know, all this uh, body wash and all that stuff, and uh, we, you know, we didn't have the shower and all that. We, we were just kind of, you know, uh, walking in the wilderness. So everybody was kind of there. But I would go in, and I, I wouldn't have a rope on my foot. No, I just changed my clothes. And so, First John one three says, "Truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Yeshua, the Messiah. The way of communication, the way of intimate communion with Him." at the mercy seat, the Ark of the Covenant. That's where I would go in with the two goats. The one goat would take away our sins, the other the slain goat would be the one that cleanses from our sins. And that's what Yeshua did for both of us. So, what have we learned this evening? We've learned that we can clearly see God's plan of salvation in the tabernacle. We see the Messiah, the Lord Jesus, in the tabernacle. What's he say? He says he's the way of introduction at the gate, the way of reconciliation at the brazen altar, the way of separation, sanctification, and cleansing at the laver, the way of illumination at the golden lampstand, the way of satisfaction at the table of showbread, the way of intimate personal communion with him at the altar of incense inside the veil, and the way of intimate, uh, this is the way of intercession, rather, excuse me, the way of intercession, okay, inside the veil, and the way of intimate personal communion with him at the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, in the, in the, uh, Holy of Holies. John 9, 19.30, Jesus said, it's finished. He finished the work. My job was never finished. You see, there's a piece of furniture missing. What's missing? The chair. I never had a place to sit down. My job was never done. But Jesus said, it is finished. What's the Bible say? See, remember, Adam and Eve, we had one lamb, one person. We had Passover, one lamb, one family. We had the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. I would go in, one lamb, one nation. And now we have one lamb for everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. John 3 and verse 16. One lamb, one person. One lamb, one family. One lamb, one nation. One lamb for everyone. The Lord Jesus Christ. The Messiah is our high priest. And he sat down. He had a chair to sit on because his job was complete. He said, it is finished at the cross. When he, sat, when he had finished, had himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. That's Hebrews 1.3. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12. When he had laid, had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And then we read over in Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1 and 2. Looking or fixing our eyes. That's what New American Standard says. Fixing our eyes unto Yeshua, the author and finisher of our faith. He sat down at the right hand of the, of the throne of God. You like cartoons? Israel Cohen likes cartoons. He told me about these animated full-length features and stuff. Remember the old days, the cartoons where... Uh, Wiley Coyote would be chasing the Roadrunner, and the Roadrunner gets over the cliff, and then Wiley Coyote follows him over there, and, go, and he's over there, and it's like suspended animation. He goes, uh oh, you know, you see his eye looks, uh oh, and he, he like gets all rubber, yeah, boom, he gets all flat, and then he gets all blown back up. Well, there's another thing that happens. You see, that cartoon character's walking along, walking along, and you see like musical notes coming out of his mouth, you know, he's whistling, 
going along, and he has a job to do. Got to go right there. Got to take care of that situation. No, I can't be, can't be distracted. But something attractive catches his eye off the side, and, and he, well, he doesn't turn his head or nothing. His eyes become rubber. Bong! And no matter where he turns his head, those eyes are, are fixed right there on what he's looking at. That's fixing your eyes on Jesus, folks. You wake up in the morning. The first thing you need to do is fix your eyes on Jesus. Every time Israel wakes up in the morning, he remembers that cartoon where the eyes become rubber. Bong! He gets into the Bible, into the Word. Israel has a, uh, a saying that he uses. He always remembers it, and he wakes up in the morning and remembers it. He says, no Bible, no breakfast. No Bible, no breakfast. In other words, you've got to get into the Word first. Coffee, that's okay. Coffee with the word, okay, a little coffee. You know, we, we, could have, we could use some coffee in the wilderness, I'm telling you right now. Would be, you know, a little coffee with the word, that's okay. But Bible, no Bible, no breakfast. And get into the word. Fixing your eyes on you. It's a good way to start off your day and ending the day by thinking on him, by praying to him, by, 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 by reading a little of the word, okay? And his wife, Judy, she reads the word every day too. And Israel gets upset with her when he finds out she skipped it or missed it one day. No, you don't want to miss the word because that's your food. It's very important. Now, the tabernacle of God is with man. Remember, I said one of the things that God wanted to do, God wanted to dwell with his people. His desire was to dwell with his people. And that's why we had the tabernacle. They might dwell among them. So what's it say over in the book of Revelation 21, verse 1 through 3? Right at the end of the Bible. I saw the new heaven and the new earth. And I, John, saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband, and I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and he and be their God. Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. God's desire was always to dwell with his people. He wanted to dwell with Adam and Eve in the garden. He wanted to dwell with us in, the, in uh, Egypt. Uh, he wanted to dwell with us in the wilderness. He wanted to dwell with us here in the year 2013. He wants to dwell with us into eternity in the new Jerusalem. Now, who is that? Man, that is a cute little kid, I'm telling you. I know this is hard to believe, but that's Israel Cohen. I, uh, he was eight years old in that picture. I don't know what he did with these big ears. Man, he had these, they went somewhere. I know he liked to drive dress up with a tie and a jacket, you know. That was a, a big deal back then. Well, that's Israel Cohen. Now, who's that? That's also Israel Cohen. Man, he is a handsome dude. Look at that guy. He's 19 years old in this picture. My, uh, Israel's wife is shaking her head. Yeah, he was a handsome dude, all right. No doubt about it. That's why she married him, I guess. Look at that with the curly hair and all that. Man, that is a handsome guy. That suit would be perfect for today. Now we have French cuffs, the whole thing, and the Bible. That's not his bar, bar mitzvah picture, by the way. Because, you see, you see what's back here? There's the cross in the back. That was taken in Morocco shortly after he came to faith. He came to faith May 16, 1961, in Morocco, North Africa, while he was in the United States Navy. Someone uh, this morning, I think he said, he was in the Navy uh, back in World War II. Well, Israel's not quite that old. But he, he, he was after Korea and before Vietnam. He, he made it. That's Israel Cohen. And what did he do back... 52 and a half years ago. What did he do? Well, he read Isaiah 53 for the first time in his life. If you've never read Isaiah 53, you didn't know that Israel Cohen is working on a message on Isaiah 53, Romans 11, a few other messages. But Isaiah 53, very important chapter. I want you to go to Isaiah53.com. 
Just remember, Isaiah53.com, and get a free book on Isaiah 53. It's called Isaiah 53 Explained. That'll get you that book and help you to understand Isaiah 53 for yourself and to be able to share it with other people, Jewish people and Gentile people. Well, so he read Isaiah 53 for the first time in his life. What did he do? Well, he, he did what Abraham did. See, Genesis 15:6. Abraham believed in the Lord, and he counted him for righteousness. See, we need to believe, and we need to receive. Psalm, he read Psalm 2.12 for the first time in his life 52 years ago. Listen to this. It's in the Jewish scriptures. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. I pray to God that you have put your trust in him. Understanding the problem, separation from God because of sin, need for blood of atonement. He's the way, the truth, and the life, the only one that can do that. He's the one that brings us together. He's the one that finished the faith, the finisher of our faith, he sat down at the right hand of the Father, then Israel read this verse. For the first time in his life, in the New Testament, he read John 1, 11 and 12. He came unto his own. Who's he? That's Jesus. His own. Who's the own? That's the Jewish people. But his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become sons of God, even to them that believe in his name. I pray to God you've come to the point where you believe in him. You've received him as your Messiah. See, he says he came unto his own. Now it's for everyone but as many as received him. Uh, but to them he gave power, as many as received him. He gave power to become sons of even to them that believe in his name. Israel Cohen, 40, 52 years ago, came to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's been with Chosen People Ministries for, for uh, many years, since 1978. Another ministry before that, been in ministry for many years. I'm going to remind you about this brochure, if you, you don't have it now. If you didn't take care of it, uh, earlier this morning. It's on the table there. We want you to get involved. We're going to have a, uh, have a plate out there for Chosen People Ministries. Tear that apart. Okay. Take this portion of the brochure. Fill it out. Email address. Let us know your address. I want to send you some material. Remember the, the website Chosen People. Excuse me. The website Isaiah53.com. Also ChosenPeople.com. Remind you there's a brochure on our summer training program. Shalom Brooklyn. When you get you involved with that, come to New York. Real missions trip in New York. Orthodox Jewish people. Get involved with Jewish people. And you have to go to Katz's Deli. Someone's got to do it. You know, it's a tough ministry. But you've got to get the pastrami sandwiches and the cheesecake and the matzo ball soup and, and enjoy it. Now, I've, Israel found this in his car. There's a bunch of uh, prayer, letter, prayer cards out there. This, this was when Israel Cohen had a much shorter beard. And he did not stick his finger in the light, light socket. But he had some gel in his hair for a while. That was definitely not... A, Appropriate, so we're getting a new picture. But anyway, help yourself. Prayer cards. To put it in your Bible, somewhere you remember to pray. Drop this in the plate, fill it out, let us know if you put something in the offering so we can do that. So we're going to have uh, a benediction, and Israel Cohen is going to uh, meet you out at the table. Actually, I'll meet you out at the table, uh, the high priest, just in case you might want to get a picture or something. But we'll meet you out there. If you have any questions, we'll be there. Judy will be there to help you with, with your slips and the brochure. It's been a joy to be with you. Israel tells me he was here all day, so. Uh, he, I'm here tonight too, so that's good. And I'll find him. I think he's hiding back there, so we'll find him. Why don't you stand for the benediction, and then uh, we'll be dismissed, and uh, Judy will meet, and I will meet you out at the uh, literature table out in the foyer. In the book of Numbers, in the sixth chapter, in the 22nd verse, we read these words. The Lord spoke to Moses and said, Speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, In this wise you shall bless the sons of Israel, you shall say unto them, Yivarech 
Ya era the noy ponai lako vikune ko. Yesahara the noy ponai lako vesem lako. Shalom. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you shalom and give you peace. B'Shem Yeshua Mishikain, in the name of Jesus, our Messiah. Baruch Habab B'Shem Adonai. Blessed he who comes in the name of the Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. You're dismissed. I'll meet you at the literature table on the way out.